Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Welcome to Tell Me Everything here on Sirius XM Progress. My name's Joe Sudbay. I'm guest hosting for John. I'll be with you tomorrow night as well. And I always appreciate the opportunity to spend time with the great Sirius XM Progress audience, especially as we are approaching the elections just 13 days till November 8th. Millions of Americans are voting in this incredibly important election. The president of the United States, Joe Biden, whose approval rating has been creeping up, which is really important, is on the offensive. Last night, he issued a warning. He was at an event for the Democratic National Committee, and he said, hear this closely. The Republicans have made it clear that if they win control of the Congress, they will shut down the government, refuse to pay our bills, and it will be the first time in our history America will default unless I yield and cut Social Security and Medicare. There's nothing Nothing that will create more chaos, more inflation, and more damage to the American economy than this. And he's exactly right. And why is Biden saying that? Because Republicans have told us what they're going to do. And that's what is so maddening about these elections. As you see reporters and pundits saying, oh, the economy has moved to the forefront and that's good for Republicans. Why? They have no plan. They have no plan to fix inflation. They have no plan to fix the economy to address it. They're going to do tax cuts for billionaires again, which will increase inflation. That was in the Washington Post last week. Kevin McCarthy is talking about how they're going to hold the national debt hostage until Biden agrees to fixing, quote unquote, their version of fixing Social Security and Medicare. They want to cut them. They're telling us. They're telling us what they want to do. They are telling us what they want to do on the economy, and Democrats need to let them have it. Let them have it. Because they have nothing to offer the American people. All they want to do is wreak havoc and control women's bodies. Tax cuts for billionaires. There's nothing in it for most voters. But most voters are duped, and so many of the media just play along like, oh, the Republicans are good on the economy. There's nothing Nothing to base that on. Today, Biden actually did something else for consumers. You never see Republican presidents do anything for the basic consumer. You see them do massive things for billionaires, which George Bush did, George W. Bush, and which uh, 
Donald Trump did when they have control. Massive tax cuts for billionaires, right? Today, Biden went after junk fees, something that we all drives all of us crazy. I want to play a clip from the president today at the, at, the, at an event where he's taking on this crap that corporate America throws at us and that Republicans, these are the same corporations gouging us, gouging us, increasing inflation and then profiting from it and then using those profits to finance Republican campaigns. Let's play a clip from the president today uh, talking about this new deal of his. My administration is also making clear surprise overdraft fees are illegal. Listen to how those fees work. And some of you, you all know this, I mean, because you know from your everyday lives. But you pay a bill and uh, you double check your bank account to make sure before you write the check that you have enough in your account to cover it. You've gotten the money, so you go ahead and you pay. Then it turns out your balance wasn't up to date because your bank was slow in processing other charges. And by the time the bank gets around to setting the, settling the transaction, you've overdrawn your account. You're charging overdraft fee that runs around $35 each time. It's not your fault. The bank screwed up. You didn't. The bank did. You had a positive balance when you paid the bill. It's just simply wrong. And today, my administration is making clear it's also illegal. Today's actions are going to save consumers more than one billion dollars each year. And that's a lot of money back in people's pockets. A lot of money back in people's pockets. And that's what we're that's what Biden is trying to do. Put money back in people's pockets. Real people. Now, because when those bank fees are charged, it adds to the bank's profits and who benefits. The banks and their big shareholders, right? They're corporate shareholders. Oh, it is such a scam. And it's so great to see Biden call this out. And he didn't just do it on uh, bank fees, but he also did it for um, fees that surprise people on cable bills, hotel rooms, concert tickets. You know, these corporations have gotten away with it. They have gouged us forever. And now... Biden is cracking down. He's been cracking down on monopolies. It's it's been it's been rampant. It's it's been out of control. And of course, you know, these corporations, what do they want? They want Republicans to win. Right. They want Republicans to win because that benefits them. So I just am glad that Biden is calling this out, calling out what the Republicans are going to do. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting because you'll see reports say Biden says Republicans um, are going to tank the economy, crash the economy. Well, Biden's saying Republicans are going to crash the economy because Republicans are saying Republicans are going to crash the economy. Like, that's why Joe Biden is saying it. Republicans are telling us what they're going to do. We should believe them because there was another issue that Republicans told us what they were going to do. They told us they were going to overturn Roe versus Wade. And guess what they did? They overturned Roe v. Wade. And guess what? Now it's funny thing. They don't really want to talk about it. And there's this idea that uh, among some of the media that, oh, um, abortion has faded as an issue. What? How? An issue you took rights away and you expect people just to 
gloss over it. You expect women just to gloss over it. And it's not fading away as an issue. And we saw it last night in the debate with between John Fetterman and uh, Mehmet Oz up in Pennsylvania in that Senate race. We this Dr. Oz basically gave it away. He gave away what Republicans want to do. He gave it away. Let me just play the clip because I know you've heard it by now, but we can't play this clip enough. Let's play the clip of what Oz said last night when he was talking about abortion. I want women, doctors, local political leaders, letting the democracy that's always allowed our nation to thrive, to put the best ideas forward so states can decide for themselves. Local political leaders. Women, doctors, and local political leaders. That's who Mehmet Oz, himself a doctor, thinks should be making decisions about women's bodies. Local political leaders. So, yeah, the abortion issue is front and center again. And guess what? It's front and center again in Georgia because another woman came forward today and said that Herschel Walker paid for her abortion, got her, to, got her pregnant, and she had an abortion. Another woman. She did a press conference today. She remained anonymous, but she spoke to the media. Now, he said it's a lie, but he hasn't acknowledged a lot of truth about his past. Anyways, we saw this story a couple of weeks ago. The same thing happened. Yeah, it's so interesting how abortion, they want to control abortion. They want to control women's bodies unless it's for them. And then J.D. Vance, the right-wing uh, Peter Thiel puppet candidate who's ass-kissing Donald Trump out in Ohio, he was on... Uh, Fox today, and they asked him about which exceptions he would allow in an abortion. And he kind of fumbled and hemmed and hawed on Fox News, where it's like the f most friendly audience in the world. And he finally stumbled into something like uh, the life of the mother is all he would agree to as an exception. In a state where a 10-year-old girl had to go out of state to get an abortion because she had been raped. Uh, that's what uh, he had to say. That's what J.D. Vance had to say. And we have seen the stories of life of a mother, how literally women are on the verge of dying. Some have had sepsis because uh, they can't get abortions unless literally they're on the verge of dying. So there is so much going on in this election. And we are hearing so much from people in Washington and pundits and prognosticators. But really, what's going on right now is people are voting and people are on the front lines are making sure that voters turn out. And rather than listen to this, the, the folks who are speculating about politics, I want to talk to someone right now who's actually doing politics, who's doing the frontline work. And I am really excited right now to be joined by Mario Yadidia. He's the National Field Director for Unite Here. They are on the ground in some key battleground states. Mario, welcome back to SiriusXM Progress. Joe, thank you. Good to be here. Good evening. 
Oh, good evening. So, you know, Mario, I feel like we need to cut through the bullshit that is being spewed around Washington and all these people talking about what's happening in the elections. You are on the ground. Talk about the work that uh, Unite Here is doing around the country because you're in some really important states. Uh, Let's start there and then we'll dig in a little bit. Sure thing. Yeah. So Unite Here, we're the hospitality workers union in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, We represent 300,000 workers in hotels, casinos, and corporate food service jobs like stadiums and airports. And we're knocking on doors. We've knocked on 1.4 million doors in the last three months in Nevada, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. Because the stakes of this election, like you were just talking about, Joe, are just they're too high for hospitality workers and they're too high for our country for us not to be thrown down. Okay. I, I hope everyone heard that 1.4 million doors. So you have got your, your team. Um, how many people from unite here are doing the door knocking in the different States? I mean, that's a lot of doors to hit. Yeah, we're at we're at 900 across the four states I mentioned, Joe. Yeah, we got wow. 400 out in Nevada across Las Vegas and Reno, another 240 uh, in Phoenix and Arizona. There's 280 in Philly and Pennsylvania. And then we have a small but mighty team in Georgia of 15 folks knocking doors down there. Uh, so, you Damn. know, it comes comes to around 900. Yep, that is amazing. So, Mario, what what? Let's talk about two things. What is the message that the door knockers are bringing when they hit, when they're talking to voters? And then what are they hearing in in response? Yeah. I mean, look, at root, Joe, when we knock on voters' doors, be it in Las Vegas or, or Reno or Phoenix or Philly or um, in Columbus, Georgia, and Muskogee County in the Black Belt on the border with Alabama, you know, we're talking to people about about taking on corporate greed uh, and high prices. Uh, we're talking to people about democracy. I mean, so many of our chief opponents in all these states who the Republican Party have put up for U.S. Senate, for governor, for other top of the ticket races like the secretary of state roles in so many of the states I just mentioned are, are election deniers, are outright anti-democratic uh, fear mongers. And we're talking about a, a woman's right to an abortion. And the need to protect it. Um, I, I think for us, though, Joe, it, it starts and ends with with the economic, um, with the need to take on uh, corporate greed and high prices, and the need for there to be good jobs and healthcare that supports families, a dignified retirement, um, and you know, telling the truth about what Republicans are are actually running on: uh, abolishing Medicare and Social Security. Uh, these are policy positions that are out there that. Um, you know, the GOP Senate uh, doesn't want us to talk about, but that is in their campaign platform. So we're bringing that message of truth to to voters. It just seems like that's really important, Mario, as uh, when I was opening the show, I was talking about how Biden, the president, um, Biden has gone on the offensive, reminding everyone that Republicans have said they would blow up the economy in order to cut Social Security and Medicare. And yet there's this mindset among some in the media that um, Republicans are doing better because the economy is at the forefront of people's concerns. But Republicans don't really have a plan for the economy and they are 
we are being gouged by corporations. How, how do, the, how do um, the voters seem to be when you're talking to voters? How do they receive that? Do they you know, do they grasp the fact that is, is, it, is it understandable to them that Republicans are the ones who really try to screw them? I think it is understandable to voters, Joe, especially when you organize them and, you know, having a, a concrete, real program um, that brings, you know, the fact that Republicans are are being supported in, in all the states that we're working in by the same price gouging industries and consolidated corporate power um, who are at the root of uh the inflation that's makes things so hard for so many voters having a concrete program is really key and i'll give you a clear example in the state of nevada joe um you know rent prices the rent is just too damn high in las vegas and reno and elsewhere in nevada and in in nevada you know the culinary workers union our union unite here's local in las vegas and reno has a program to to address um, out of control rent prices, which are up 33% in Las Vegas year over year and more than 20% in the North in Reno, Nevada. Um, you know, we have a policy that we're pushing um, that would uh, cap rent increases at 5% or Social Security each year, right? That rent couldn't go up more than that each year. And, you know, incumbent U.S. Senator Catherine Cortez Masto and our governor, Steve Sisolak, have come out in support, Joe of that policy. We call it neighborhood stability. And the Republican candidates are silent on the matter. That is a concrete thing. When you say that to a voter, people understand uh, even more than ever before the stakes um, and who's on their side and, and who isn't. Well, that in, in Nevada, of course, is a state that is really hotly contested. Um, all you know, all the polling. We're not, you know, we're not going to get caught on the polo coaster, but the polling does show that it's a very content, uh, very tight race there. And this is the kind that is exactly the kind of state um, that's very challenging for a lot of reasons. And this is something I know I have heard the president of Unite here, D. Taylor, talk about. Um, Talk about some of the unique challenges to um, Nevada, uh, because it really is a very transient state and a lot of turnover. Just talk about that a little bit, because I think it helps people understand how important the work you and your colleagues are doing there um, and why it it really matters. Sure. Yeah. Nevada is a deeply working class state. You know, it's a college educated population is, you know, on the lower end of that spectrum compared to you know, the other 50 states in our country. Um, the economy is is deeply rooted in the hospitality sector, in, you know, the uh, hotel casinos um, that we all know about that line the Las Vegas Strip and downtown. Um, and uh, it's a place where, um, you know, like I spoke to, uh, you know, the pressure in the housing market, the rental market in particular, has just had extraordinary impact on so many people. Um, you know, and it, it's a place where, look, we have an incumbent Democratic U.S. Senator who has stood up for workers who made sure that the the American Rescue Plan, right, you know, Biden's first, uh, President Biden's relief package um, to deal with the COVID crisis early in his presidency included 100% government paid COBRA health care so that people who had lost their jobs as a result of the pandemic kept healthcare for a critical six month period last year. 
And she's running against an opponent, um, a Republican who you know, was literally a lobbyist for the oil industry um, and who was, you know, President Trump's chief counsel on his fraudulent big lie conspiracies in Nevada two years ago. Um, but it's a place where, you know, gas remains at five dollars as of today, a gallon. Um, and so getting clear on who's with us and who isn't is the work of door to door canvassing. And that's what, you know, what our union believes in deeply. I think, Joe, the other thing that I'd say is, you know, I just saw a statistic today that there will be forty three million dollars spent in the next 13 days in the Las Vegas media market on political advertising, forty three million dollars on paid communications and what we do joe is we have a team of i said 400 hospitality workers uh hotel housekeepers dishwashers cooks bartenders who go door to door talking um to registered voters making clear the stakes of the election i think when there's that volume of paid political communications people just tune it out but having a face-to-face conversation with another working class person can really change the tide and just to play pundit for a minute i mean the other thing about nevada joe is it's a very transient state like you mentioned 40 uh, percent of everyone who cast a ballot in the 2020 presidential election year uh, had never voted in the state before um so you know it's a place that um is sensitive to the booms and busts of of our economy, uh, which here is is connected to hospitality. And so there's a lot of new people, right, who don't have uh, the political memory of, of other states with more long tenured residents. Yeah, it's really important. $43 million. Oh, my God. <laughs> at some point, it just becomes a blur and you don't even know who's at it, who's even even for people like us who are in the business, so to speak. Um, Mario, what, what, what other state you, 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 you and your colleagues are working in is Pennsylvania. And I'm really interested. Um, there was the debate last night and a lot of the national media were, you know, talking today about the fact that John Fetterman had a stroke. And, you know, I heard John Fetterman say, I, I got knocked down. I get up and I fight. Uh, I, I'm curious. I can't imagine. I, I, I'm just wondering, though, do you, when you're knocking the doors in Philadelphia, does anyone ever bring up the fact that John Fetterman had a stroke or do they understand that he's fighting for them? No, people people in Philly who we talk to on the doors are concerned about um, about a good job about health care, about being able to retire with dignity and about being able to live a life, um, you know, free of the fear of gun violence, which is um, such a reality for, you know, our canvas in Philly that's knocked on 500,000 doors as of last night in the last couple of months um, is, you know, really focused in West Central and and Northeast Philly. And, um, you know, the reality of of public safety is is something that matters just a great deal to the voters we're talking to. If anything, I think that, you know, the reality of of grappling with a stroke um, is something that our members and our canvassers and voters um, have experience with, Joe. If anything, it makes John Fetterman, uh, more compelling. Right. I would think I would think that, too. And, you know, it's interesting, um, you know, Republicans are uh, another issue they report to be good on is um, 
on uh, his crime. But uh, I saw a tweet from Governor Ned Lamont from Connecticut today who said, you can't be tough on crime if you're weak on guns. And Republicans are incredibly weak on guns. And that certainly is an issue across the country. And um, they, they, <laughs> they're so beholden to the NRA. It's another one of the special interests that they just that are just completely owned by. So, Mario, if people want to help out the work and keep your keep your um, folks on the on the doors. I know the unions chipping in, but how can people help out? Because it's such vitally important work right now. Yeah, I mean, if, if I have one message to people out there listening, it's it's not too late to do something. There's 13 days left and all those races, you know, the ones that we're throwing down really hard in in Nevada, Arizona, Pennsylvania and Georgia, you know, you were speaking earlier in your intro to Ohio. There, there, these are races that are within the margin of effort, right? If we are able to make a phone call, to knock a door, to send a text message, um, or to contribute uh, money, um, it's it's not too late. So when it comes to actually knocking doors, um, I'd encourage people to go to seedthevote.org backslash sign dash up. I'm happy to put that in the chat here if there's another way to communicate that, but that's seedthevote.org backslash sign dash up. Um, that's the volunteer organization who Unite Here, the hospitality workers are partnering with to uh, to knock doors. And, you know, we also have an Act Blue um, site. You know, the hospitality workers were significantly laid off and our union is still recovering from the reality of COVID, which, you know, laid off 98% of our members two years ago. Um, and so... You know, I'm also happy to put our, our act blue in the chat, too, Joe. All right. I'll tweet them out later, Mario. And I have to admit, I have donated to to your act blue because I know the work that you are doing. Mario, you did hear from Unite Here at Unite Here on Twitter at Mario from SF on Twitter. Thank you so much. I, I know you're right in the middle of so much work. I just really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to us tonight here on Sirius XM Progress. At all. Thanks, Joe. Have a good night. Bye. Keep up the great work. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. I thank God for all the outlaws that went Tell me everything with John Fugelsang. This old world could use good trouble. 
we ought to do as Leonard would. Welcome back to Tell Me Everything here on Sirius XM Progress. That song you're hearing is Free Leonard Peltier. And it's written by a musician who I've gotten to know over the years, who is just amazing. And I'm so honored that he could talk to us tonight. Welcome back to SiriusXM Progress, Joe Troop. Thank you, Joe Sudbay. It's great to be on and uh, great to hear your voice again. Yeah, it's great to hear your voice, too. And it was great to hear this new song, um, which you released on Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, let's talk talk about how you came into this and the group of folks that you worked with to produce this song. And, and, and in doing so, Joe, for, for folks who don't know, remind everyone who Leonard is. Sure. Leonard Peltier is a political prisoner. He's a Native American um, activist that was on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota in 1975 and was accused of killing two FBI agents, which is a crime that um, he did not commit. It's widely known. He's one of the most decried political prisoners in the history of modern era by people such as Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela, Desmond Tutu, Rigoberta Menchu, the list goes on and on. Even Willie Nelson threw his hat into the ring. But the FBI never backed down, and he's been in jail since, uh, well, I guess since 1977. He's currently at the Coleman Penitentiary in Florida, um, in Coleman, Florida. And he's old and in, in failing health. And He'd like to go back to his family uh, on Turtle Mountain, the Chippewa lands where he's from um, in, I believe, North Dakota. And anyway, um, how did I hear about Leonard Peltier? Well, that goes back to 2017. I was in the Patagonia Mountains and I met a Lakota man who was friends of a friend. uh, And we were in his teepee. He had erected a teepee himself and we were sitting around a fire and he was talking about Leonard Peltier and I had no idea who he was talking about and uh, you know said person said well that's no surprise they've tried to erase him from history and anyway since that time I started educating myself a little bit and meeting uh, Native American artists and activists and uh, finding out more about the importance of this person uh, to his people, to all Native American people. He was an AIM leader. He was tapped by the elders uh, to sort of be somewhat of a spiritual leader for the American Indian movement. And he was taken out of the picture a long, long time ago. And anyway, uh, I started writing that song, you know, several years ago, but it wasn't until this, uh, this spring that I met um, some native activists in North Carolina, Okanichi Saponi, Choctaw, Catawba, Lumbee, Tuscarora, friends um, that were directly involved in the Leonard Peltier's Walk to Justice, which is happening right now between Minneapolis and Washington, D.C. It's a 
1,103 mile march um, to plead for his clemency, uh, the clemency that no president has granted up until now since his, the time of his imprisonment in 1975. So anyhow, it's uh, a very sad story, but Leonard seems like the like a superhero for his level of perseverance. Uh, I read his book, uh, My Life is My Sundance, um, his prison writings, and uh, found it very inspirational. And eventually I got the song written and I recorded it with all native musicians in my region and also uh, a friend from the Osage Nation in Oklahoma. Negosi Fields played bass on it. But so the song has somewhat come uh, full circle. Some of the people that are in that march right now participated in the recording of the song. And um, I'm going to be joining the marchers for the final leg, uh, the last mile of their march on November 13th into Washington, D.C. So in very few words, that's that's how the song came about. Wow. It's 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 just the whole the whole thing is so powerful. And, you know, and and it was interesting, Joe, I um, I I had been reading about Leonard Peltier. I remember the story because I'm a little older and I I'd only recently, um, I've only seen one reporter, um, uh, kind of, you know, non-native reporter uh, writing about him. And that was uh, Jen Bendry at HuffPost. And she'd been writing some stuff. And then I saw your Twitter thread um, and you're on Twitter at Joe Troop Music. And you said, in in your thread and i just this really struck me i have never had an issue getting major press from my political anthems before and that one of your native friends said to you don't be surprised if you don't get much press for this song because this country don't give a damn about us indian people and oh jesus that just kind of hit me um yeah talk a little bit about that yeah it's sad but it's it's true i i think there's a lot of there's a lot to work through being from where we're from and i think just denying what happened would would make things a lot easier on us psychologically right. i get it you know i read in history books um that where you know there used to be catawba indians in the place that i was being raised winston salem north carolina there used to be sour people there used to be you know Okanichi people, um, but they're gone. And then now I'm actually meeting those people and working with those people. Um, and they're not gone. They're still here. This, there's just this sort of sick denialism and, uh, erasure going on. Uh, and at the same time you have all of these human beings saying, Hey, hold up, you know, we're here. Why are you, why are you printing that? In fact, uh, Monty Branham, he's a Catawba man who, uh, has a beautiful voice. He, he, he sang on the track and played drum. And, uh, and he was telling me how as a child, he read in his history book, you know, um, with the other kids 
on the Catawba reservation um, that there were no Catawba people left. And he's like, well, I'm reading, I, I'm Catawba. What, how's, how are you writing that? You know, how's it make a little boy feel <laughs> to read that back in the 1960s? Uh, he lived that, you know, and there's a, there's a lot of lies being told and a lot of cover up. And, and the question is why, or why, why not, you know, why, why not talk about <laughs> the facts? Right. Why can't we acknowledge what actually happened? And, you know, it's not something that happened long ago. Leonard's imprisonment is, is that exact thing happening right now. Right. And that's, what's right. so sick and twisted about the whole right. The, the whole story is like, you know, here's a man who even the, you know, leading prosecutors in this trial have come out against the verdict, against his incarceration. It was based on, um, you know, falsified evidence. Uh, he was illegally extradited from Canada. There's a lot of things that, that, don't stand up in court and yet because it would be a blemish on the, on the FBI, it isn't, it, it isn't being uh, <laughs> taken seriously that people don't want to admit to the, it's almost like the 1970s and 1980s didn't happen. As far as the FBI is concerned, they want to talk about how they're investigating Trump and they want to improve their, you know, how they're viewed in the eyes of the public, but let's get real. You know, a lot of, a lot of stuff happened in the 1970s and 1980s that needs, that can't be swept under the rug forever. And Leonard Peltier's case is a major piece in that. And and so much, we, we just keep learning so many, so many stories of just the, the way the justice system has been so warped and abused. And um, what's the reception been like to the song, uh, Joe, over the past few weeks? It's a beautiful well, song, by the way. Thank you so much. I, I've been performing this song um, on on a lot of stages and will continue to do so. And and there, it's received a lot of people, you know, get get emotional about the song. Like, whoa, mm -hmm. who's Leonard Peltier? Most of the time, people are asking who's Leonard Peltier, like I did, because I had yeah. no idea who he was until I met a Lakota man in his teepee in the Patagonia Mountains. Like, that's had I not had that encounter i would have never heard of leonard peltier either because they've they've tried to erase him from our collective consciousness so in my own small way i sing this song and people know about him of course people who are a little bit older um who lived through the 60s 70s and 80s and were adults do know about leonard peltier right because at a, at, at a certain you know up until even i think even at some point in the 1990s, his his case was, was still given major media attention, but there has been a clampdown on that. And as you said, there's very few journalists that have written about him recently. And aside from a little piece that I saw on Democracy Now, I think in March of this year, there's nothing except for what people that are directly involved in his legal aid fund are putting out into the world on social media. Uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty desolate. You know, um, it, 
it's as if, I mean, I hate to make these parallels, but it's like, you know, Julian Assange could end up being another Peltier 20 years from now. It's that level of notoriety, that level of uh, erasure. And as time goes by, you start to see the effectiveness of said erasure measures. Interesting. So, Joe, for um, we've I got to know you a couple of years ago. Um, you have written some amazing songs. So the idea that you are writing this song makes perfect sense to me because I I know your history. Um, for those for our audience who 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 wouldn't know. Um, Talk a little bit about some of their songs. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give people an example. A couple of years ago, you wrote a song about the Postal Service. And it was just a great service. And John Nichols was on this show last night, John Nichols from The Nation. And when he wrote about your song, he said, if Woody Guthrie were singing about the post, Postal Service, I think he'd charm, chime in on Joe Troop's a plea to keep the government to fully fund the postal service. So you have this history of um, kind of activism and using your music for causes. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I have been accused of writing political anthems. I do not consider myself political. I just, right. I write, st- I write songs about, you know, pretty obvious and egregious injustice uh, and and when it's like you know as obvious as it was in with Trump and Postmaster General DeJoy trying to make it impossible for people to vote by mail, it made sense to write a song about it. Um, on that occasion, I was commissioned by Rural Organizing ORG's Matt Hildreth to write that song. I know y'all are co- y'all y'all work together, and anyway, that was that was a great uh, thing to write about. I get tipped off, is what I'm saying. Like people. Yeah inform me about stories just as you would a journalist or something. Uh, and I, instead of writing articles, I write songs. Uh, <laughs> and so that, I kind of feel like it's musical journalism to some extent. I th- I feel like I, I also just in writing these songs, I get to meet these beautiful communities of people and it helps them. If, if nothing else, it's medicine for the people that were involved in it. And, uh, you know, it's definitely meant a lot to indigenous people in my region, you know, in North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia. Um, I've met a lot of beautiful human beings through this process and expanded my notion of, you know, where I'm from, you know? Um, So in the case of Leonard Peltier, like this is a big question where am I from? Like, you know, as a child, I I would walk around in the Hills near my home. And I, I, I remember realizing as a kid that my Western thought process did not correspond with the natural world I was living in. And I thought that was interesting. You know, it's like what something's going on here. Like you can go to the, some far flung end of the universe. Like, like I did, I traveled all over the world and then without even realizing until now in the past few years that I'm actually from a place and from a, a some other people's land who is culturally distant as t- to me and, and my Western ways of thinking. 
as the people I encountered five and 10,000 miles away from here. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. uh, it's very harrowing to realize that I don't even know. And a lot of us in the Americas that are descendants of Europeans, we don't even know where we are. It's kind of, uh, (laughs) terrifying, you know, because anyway, in my own process, writing this song has been very important. And I guess I would just encourage other people to, to start asking questions and, and then you'll get answers, you know, you'll figure, you'll figure it out. You'll talk to people who have survived. And, uh, so, and using that song as an example, that that's kind of why I write songs because it's a very personal process, but at the same time, it's something that I think needs to be said. And almost always I'm, uh, granted the opportunity to write these songs by people who are more informed uh, and that help inform me. So uh, that's the case of almost every song I've ever written. I've written songs about dreamer, uh, a dreamer from Yadkin County, North Carolina, who I met, whose story I was told by him. I met a, I wrote a song uh, about Dreama Caldwell, who was the victim of the cash bail system in Alamance County, North Carolina, and I wrote her a song. So uh, uh, fortunately, I, I come into contact with people whose stories need to be told, and I have a little platform, and I can tell them as best I can. But but the, particularly the song about Leonard has gotten uh, no you know very little press, and uh, people just don't want to hear about it. People don't want to have to process that. It's like a primordial wound to the credibility of, <laughs> of this nation state. Um, well, I, I have to tell you, I am so glad you you wrote this song. Um, it's very powerful. Um, you, you're just a your words and your singing. I, I, I'll tell everyone um, when I first met Joe, he had written a a, a song about gay gays in rural parts of the country and he was telling me about it and then he just started singing it to me on the phone and I I had never had anyone sing to me like that because most people in my world can't sing and have no creativity and it was just just a very powerful moment for me and I your words and your music Joe um, I I just love it Uh, you're on Twitter at Joe Troop Music where else can people find you yeah well you can find me on uh, other social media platforms I would encourage people to to check out the duo I now have with an incredible Venezuelan musician, uh, you can look us up as Larry and Joe. You can go to website LarryandJoe.com. Um, as far as the Leonard Peltier song, I'd encourage people to watch the music video that was directed by a, <clears throat> a brilliant Mayan Kakchikel friend of mine in North Carolina. Um, you can look, you can search that as Joe Troop, Leonard, uh, free Leonard Peltier. And that's on YouTube. And uh, yeah, I'm on all the social media platforms. Not hard to find. Joe Troop. <laughs> T-R-O-O-P. Joe like Troop. a Boy Scout troop, as my mother would always. <laughs> Joe Troop, an, an amazing voice, an amazing and a powerful storyteller. Thank you so much for talking to us tonight, Joe. I, Thanks uh, for having me on, Joe. I really appreciate it. It's like the no. Joe time. Yeah, it's a Joe time. Joe time is good time. Thanks, for thanks, Joe. And uh, keep in touch. It's good to talk to you. It's good to hear your voice. This is Joe Sudbay. We're going to take a break here on Tell Me Everything. We'll be back in just a few minutes, and we're going to get on the phones.
helping us unpack what is playing out around the country. I'm really excited to be joined by the executive director of the Ballot Initiative Strategy Center, Chris Melody Fields Figueredo. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Joe. I'm excited to have a conversation with you. I am really excited. Okay, I, you know, I geek out about (laughs) state legislative races and what's happening in states, Mm -hmm. Um, not just at the federal level, because it's so important. And these ballot measures, really, it's something that it's one of these times when we actually see how voters feel about specific issues. Mm -hmm. And so often we see voters resoundingly passing progressive measures, even in red states. Um, So first, Chris, just give everyone some background on BISC, Ballot Initiative Strategy Center. Tell us a little bit about your organization. I know about it because I love them, but I love your group. But talk about it. Thank you. So what BISC is, is we are a movement building infrastructure organization that uh, moves forward a progressive strategy to strengthen our democracy, to build state-based, people-centered power. Um, and we really believe that ballot measures can be a tool for liberation. It really gives us agency um, as people to make some really important decisions about key issues that govern and impact our lives, that can fundamentally change the material conditions um, for our lives. What that means um, as an organization, we help the folks on the ground um, from uh, during the whole 360 ballot measure life cycle. So when it's an idea, when people are thinking about what a potential policy could be, um, and really importantly, centering the most impacted communities to think about that, um, to what does the coalition look like? What is the governance structure, right? What is the campaign gonna look like? Um, all the way through post-election um, implementation, we do that by research, training, one-on-one assistance, connecting leaders across the country uh, to share best practices. Um, that's really what we're here to do is, is support the folks on the ground, really grassroots organization to lead these campaigns. It's really so important. And, and you know, um, in some of these states, I, I grew up in Maine, right? And in Maine, we voted on a lot of yeah. things. We, yeah. you know, we, we, we voted on a lot of things. I was, I was used to it. But in many states, it's the only way yeah. progressive policies, Medicaid expansion, for example, yep. has passed in states like, you know, Oklahoma and Missouri mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. marijuana legalization. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about reproductive rights, though, because that was just so front and center in Kansas, it is on the ballot in several states yeah. this November. Talk about that and tell us where. Yeah, so there are five states that on November 8th um, will make a decision about the future of reproductive health and justice um, in our country. Uh, this is actually the year, this year is the most ballot measures there have been um, about uh, reproductive rights. Um, even before the Dobbs decision, the Supreme Court decision uh, that happened this summer, many of these had already made um, their way to the ballot um, or were on their way. So that's Michigan, um, Vermont, uh, Montana, Kentucky, and I, it's 1030 and I, what is the fifth state? Uh, uh, California. Oh, my gosh. California. California. Yeah, the big one Absolutely. is California. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and actually, interesting, California 
Um, Michigan was already gathering signatures before the, right. the Supreme Court decision. California is the only um, post uh, Dobbs decision ballot measure uh, that made it that made it to the ballot. Uh, well, I mean, technically, yes, Michigan, but it was already in progress. Yeah. And, and I, I actually just saw a, a tweet from uh, Joe Sanka, who's a reporter in um, Kentucky and um, the Protect Kentucky Access has mm-hmm. raised $5.3 million to oppose the anti-abortion ballot measure. Um, the other side has just raised 952000 I think that's a real mm-hmm. indication of the support. And why I pick out Kentucky is because it, a, a, a state that is it does mm-hmm. have a Democratic governor, but it's certainly very red. And there was, mm-hmm. a you know, belief that this would be the way to get this done. And hopefully we'll see a, a, a rebuke of it as we have in other places. Absolutely. Well, and I think you make a good, you know, you raise an important um, point. You know, what is interesting, like maybe what's special about ballot measures um, to what you alluded to earlier is they often transcend party lines, right? right. Um, you know, Kansas really what was an early indicator um, that we can't make assumptions of voters just based on party affiliation. I mean, it was a resounding win in Kansas. More than 59% of voters oppose the abortion ban. That nearly 20% of Kansas voters came out to vote just on that amendment itself. There were 140,000 more votes than the two gubernatorial primaries combined. So what that indicates to us and what we've really been seeing across the country um, that, you know, ballot measures transcend party lines and often are higher vote getters than a lot of the candidates that we see at the ballot. Uh, you know, I think a good example of that, Chris, is what happened in Florida in mm-hmm. 2020 on the minimum wage, mm-hmm. where $15 minimum wage passed with over 60 percent of the vote, Yep, which that was astounding. And I used to work on the gun violence prevention issue, and we would get stymied in state legislatures. But when mm-hmm. we went to the ballot in Florida in 1998, gun show background mm-hmm. check, 72 percent of the vote, you know, mm-hmm. you could mm-hmm. get that's the kind of thing that happens in states. What are some of the other big areas that are on the ballot this uh, this November um, some of the other issue areas that you are. Well, you just on. named one minimum wages at the ballot in, uh, yeah. in Nevada and um, Nebraska. Minimum wage has been incredibly popular when put before voters uh, in, in both, you know, tra- traditional red uh, states as well. Uh, marijuana continues. Legalizations continues to be a really uh, popular issue. Five um, states will a look at um, marijuana legalizations again in you know conservative traditionally conservative states like Arkansas uh, and in Missouri. Um, the abolition of slavery as a form of punishment is on the ballot in five states. Um, you know why this is a really important issue is uh, it's a part of our U- United States Constitution um, yeah. where you know after. Um, uh, uh, slavery was ended in the United States, there was an ex- exception, a loophole in the case of uh, 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 in the form of a punishment, which has been a had a huge impact on mass incarceration and over criminalization of black 
uh, and brown communities. Um, we are also seeing issues um, that will address revenue for, for states. Uh, you know, in, in, in Massachusetts, they're looking at a millionaire's tax that will um, uh, raise revenue for public education um, and public transportation. You, you said, um, you know, uh, you come from the gun um, violence prevention movement, uh, gun safety is on the ballot um, in, in Oregon. Um, you know, in Arizona, there's two really interesting about measures, one that would curb uh, predatory medical debt and another that would um, address uh, to, uh, free state tuition for, for DACA recipients. Um, and then one of the biggest trends that we have been seeing grow over the last several years is there are ballot measures about ballot measures <laughs> and whether we will have this citizen-led people's tool in Arizona and Arkansas. And actually, you know, what we have seen really since 2016 when, you know, the first wave of minimum wage increases um, won at the ballot when we continue to see um, more uh, progressive issues like voting rights, um, and Medicaid expansion went at the ballot in 2018. Um, folks may remember uh, the historic Amendment 4 that restored um, uh, voting rights for formerly incarcerated folks, 1.4 million um, people. Um, and, and again, in 2020, we, as we have been winning on these progressive issues, now what we are seeing is an attack on the ability of the people to take these issues before their fellow community members. You know, in 2017, BISC was just tracking 33 bills that wouldn't change, make some change to the ballot measure process. In 2021, we saw 146 bills that would make some sort of change to the ballot measure process. That's a 300% increase. And I think that's something really for all of us to really think about in the future of our democracies. Who really is going to have a say uh, and who's going to get to have a voice in our democracy? That's a really important point. And, you know, it's it's we've seen. Well, we've seen kind of two things happen. Um, one is when ballot measures passed, like in 2020, Arizona passed uh, a tax for mm -hmm. education and yep. they went to court and had it struck down the republicans yep. at the court and had it struck down same thing happened with marijuana legalization in south dakota it's yep. on the ballot again but south dakota uh the republicans put a measure on the ballot this summer to yep. undo to really weaken their uh ballot measure process and take the power mm -hmm. away from the people and the people overwhelmingly said uh-uh no. not gonna happen <laughs> absolutely not and that's what we've seen over and over again, I mean, South Dakota was the first state to create the citizen initiated process. And over the last several years in 2023 measures were before voters uh, in South Dakota included, that would make it harder. It, they have been resoundingly um, uh, uh, rejected by, by, by the people, right? You know, the people see that this is really a, a tool that gives us agency to move forward on critical issues that are impacting us that we're not unfortunately seeing happen in our representative uh, democracy. And you know what we are seeing more and more is the undermining of the will of the people. You said it. In Arizona, 
after voters approved a, a raise on the top earners, the top earners that would have further funded public education in, in Arizona, there was a challenge and a legal challenge, and that was struck down. Similarly, it happened in Missouri in 2020 after they passed Medicaid exchange uh, um, expansion. The state legislature refused to implement it. Luckily, the court stepped in and that was able to be that was able to move uh, forward. And that's what we've seen more and more is this abuse of power. It really came into play this year in 2022 of whether certain measures even qualified to the ballot. I mean, we barely uh, were able to have these two measures in Michigan that would uh, expand voting rights, uh, promote the votes, um, and the reproductive freedom for all ballot measure that will be before voters um, <clears throat> in, in November. The Board of Canvassers, that doesn't even have the authority to reject ballot measures, tried to kick them both off the ballot. The Michigan State yep. Supreme Court stepped in and those are before voters but unfortunately in arizona another pro-democracy measure that raised more than double the allowed that needed the required signatures was unfortunately kicked off the ballot because of of a ducey the governor of, of arizona uh, stacked state supreme court so what we are seeing more and more is all of our levers of government, right? From legislative to uh, to the judicial branch um, are undermining the will of the people and listening to special interests rather, you know, and trying to change the rules um, rather than, you know, play fairly, right? And and allow the will of the people to stand. Right, it's it's really, it's really fascinating. And it's, and it's, Michigan's a really good example too, because in 2018, Michigan voters fed up with gerrymandering changed the mm -hmm. rules for how their districts were going to be drawn. Mm -hmm. And because of that, the Michigan legislature, the House and the Senate are very much in play. And that's really important. But as you said, <laughs> this year, there were two other measures, one on mm -hmm. um, reproductive rights, abortion, and the mm -hmm. other on, you know, again, making voting easier. And mm -hmm. they tried to block it. But yeah. it, it just shows that it really is interesting how conservatives and right wingers do everything they can to prevent people from participating in the electoral process. Up and down, they do it through, you know, gerrymandering. They do it through, um, you know, strict voter ID laws. And now they're doing it even by the, the, the most fundamental thing of letting the people decide key mm -hmm. issues that they choose. It's 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 really something to um, watch this play out, Chris. Absolutely. I mean, ultimately, they can't win fairly. And so they are trying to rewrite the rules to get their way no matter what the majority wants. But I don't want to be doom and gloom, right? Like right. we do have the power of people, right? We can together unite and stop this and protect the people's power to make decisions. We already know that the people want the initiative process uh, in, their, in their states. And it's up to us to defend the will of the people, you know, against... Uh, you know, quite frankly, these are losers and bullies who want to change the rules to get their way. We have the power. That is what is beautiful about a democracy. It is for us. It is we, the people. And that that means we have to fight back. We have to fight back. So 
Um, how can, I mean, I think most people in in the key states where the battles are know what's mm-hmm. going on, but you have an amazing resource at um, the Ballot <laughs> Initiative Strategy Center. How can people access it? Where do they find it? Where's the information? Well, if you want to you all want to learn more and are, want to nerd out on ballot measures, uh, you can go to our website, ballot.org. Uh, at the top right hand, you'll see the ballot measure hub. That has everything um, that we're tracking. There's a 132 statewide measures um, in 37 states. We're tracking about 89 of those. Um, and, you know, you can go to that ballot measure hub um, and find out uh, more information. You can also uh, follow us on social media um, at Ballot Strategy on all the socials. Um, and that's where we're sharing a lot of key information from our partners on the ground, the campaigns on the ground um, of what's happening. Um, uh in 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 each of these campaigns and you know and just we just had two biscuits that that's what we call ourselves uh come back from arkansas they were out in the field uh earlier this week to help our our partners in arkansas and and next week uh, a lot of our team will be in states like michigan um nebraska um arizona and Kentucky to really help in this final push. And you can, you know, follow us on social media to, to learn more about what's happening on the ground. Well, I just want to thank you, Chris Melody Fields Figueroa. Uh, especially, I know you got your shots today. I saw on Twitter <laughs> I did, that you got I did. I'm and tired. You, I'm struggling, but I, I had to make I wanted to have this conversation. So I, I pulled up well, through. You really did. And I really appreciate it. And I have to mm-hmm. say, you have the best, one of the best Twitter handles, Fieldsy. It's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Oh, thank you. It's a, it's a nickname from college that's stuck. <laughs> it's stuck and it's a great Twitter handle. And at Ballot Strategy, really important work. This is this is where we get, you know, if you're in some of these states and you want progressive policy, the only way to do it is to do it through the ballot. And that's what is so important and, and so awesome about um, the uh, ballot measures and uh, the work you do at the Ballot Initiative Strategy Center. Thanks for joining us tonight, Chris. Thank you. Have a good night. Okay, take care. We're going to take a break here on Tell Me Everything. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Hello, everyone. I, you know, I love talking about state legislative races and state ballot measures, and it's why it's why. <laughs> It's why SiriusXM Progress let me have the show State of the States, because I think those races are so incredibly important. And, you know, everything is on the ballot this year. Um, I do want to I mentioned that I was going to play the Fetterman ad uh, that he took, you know, the, the clip of Dr. Oz from the debate last night when he said local political officials should decide with a woman and her doctor what should happen to a woman's body, which I can't even believe he said it. But that's what they think. They, 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 that's who should be in the doctor's office. Um, and the Fetterman campaign raised a couple million dollars within like 12 hours of the debate last night. And they turned this into an ad. Let's play the clip. Let's play the ad right now. This is who Dr. Oz wants in charge of women's health care decisions. I want women, doctors, local uh, political leaders, <laughs> local uh, political leaders, 
local political leaders. Oz would let politicians like Doug Mastriano ban abortion without exceptions, even in cases of rape, incest, or life of the mother. Oz is too extreme for Pennsylvania. I'm John Fetterman, and I approve this message. Local political leaders. It's it's like you can't make this up. And, uh, you know, today, again, we found out another woman came forward talking about Herschel Walker. Driving her to get an abortion. The second story we've heard, you know, and then J.D. Vance on Fox News wouldn't really on Fox News, the easiest place in the world, the only place of these Republican candidates go because they get softballs. And they actually made him say what exceptions he'd approve. And he kind of begrudgingly said life of the mother. This is on the ballot. Literally, it's on the ballot in California and Michigan and Kentucky, Vermont. But every race, it's on the ballot. And anyone who says it's not is trying to distract you from what's happening. And also, I... I know it's easy to get caught on the polar coaster. That's a term that I saw Tom Bonier from Target Smart use. Uh, he was on Mike Signorelli's show yesterday. I've been able to interview him in the past, too. Tonight, he, made, he tweeted something that I noticed several other people had pointed out. And he wrote this. Last week, a few high-quality polls showed shifts to the GOP. The media narrative pivoted to framing an imminent red wave. This week, several high-quality polls show Dem leads. Will the narrative shift back to Dems overperforming decades of precedent, anticipating a close election? He asks a question. And we know the answer is no, because the media is the media. <laughs> like, it, the fact that the Democrats are even in this is a testament to how much work we've done and the fight back against the GOP. We're almost at the end of the show. Big thank you to Chris and Thea from me. I'll be with you tomorrow night here on Tell Me Everything. Always appreciate this. Thank you to all the callers, everyone who tweeted. I'll be back. We've got so much more to do. We're staying the fight. We're going to do it together. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.